The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today we are going to discuss sibling syndrome, which also some people say littermate syndrome, but I like the alliteration of sibling syndrome. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Uh-uh. Let's do it together. I thought it'd be cuter, Love but to. you, got, you beat me to the and... chase. Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, we have two picks because, you know, the sibling stitch. Um, okay, my quirky tip of the day is uh, ear infections have been a huge to-do this summer. It's been very humid in New England. Uh, the rest of the world, I hear, is pretty hot as well. A lot of humidity, a lot of yeast in the ears, everything else. If you're having chronic issues, especially with ears, especially with specific breeds like Floppy bulldogs ears. or anything else, consider a dietary change, you guys. And this is just something that I want to throw out there. Your vets may not mention it, but it is worth looking into if you're feeding a kibble and you're getting chronic ear infections outside of just the heat of this summer, look at a diet change. And normally people would push you to home cooked or raw and it might help fix your issues. But those ear infections can be a big pain in the butt. Yeah, I was just going to stick those little drying packets in their ears so mm. they just get rid of all that moisture. Yeah, it's very helpful when it comes to the medical things. Okay, so let's talk this up. You wanted to do this podcast. I don't even know why. Was it because of the Salukis? No, because we just had a dog go home a few weeks ago that the owners just picked up. One of the reasons we oh, took yeah. this dog in for boarding and training is because the owners just got a pair of... Pomskis. Pom- Pomskis, yeah. yeah. yeah like two true. of them. Yeah. At like, you know, they're like eight weeks old. And I am, and they're just, they were, they're better they're now. Better they now. were screaming, you know, yeah. just like, just crazy, two crazy, one puppy is enough, <laughs> two together is a lot, you know, <laughs> which was then getting the other dog, the older dog, stressed out. And uh, it's always been, you know, I've always heard from the very beginning, never to get two puppies, let alone from the same litter, even just two puppies from two different litters at the same age. At that, you know, eight, 10 week old, three months, because you don't want them bonding to each other and growing up and, and being less bonded to you. Yeah. And, and this happens more a, frequently. Coming than from a competitive background, you want the dog bonded to you because you're working your obedience and you want to have this off leash control and your relationship with the dog is a huge part of that. You know, that's yeah. all good. No, I was just going to say that, I mean, this has happened more over the years with clients than one may think. And often it's not so much the clients that are pushing for it, right? Like they're not walking into the rescue thinking of taking two dogs home. They're not approaching a breeder thinking of taking two puppies from the same litter home. It's kind of like, a, hey, you know, this one needs a home. There's some issues here. I'll sell it to you at a discounted rate. Hey, you know, he'd really like to live with his brother or sister. It often seems like there's an external force pushing uh, the clients to do this. And I would say at least a dozen times we've had clients that have had these, you know, puppies that they have gotten and they have raised them together. And it does make things more difficult for a multitude of reasons, which we're going to cover here today. But it definitely seems like there's some pressure from the higher powers. And if you're getting that pressure, like know that you and yourself, you can be like, no, this isn't for me. I, you know, decline that. Don't just get sucked into the story. But to me, breeders and rescues should not be pushing you guys into this situation of taking home two litter mates. Well, I think a lot of people get the second one just to keep the first one company. If they're going to be working during the day and this pu- they know this puppy's home alone, they're thinking, well, if the puppy had a playmate, at least they wouldn't be alone. Yeah, They'd have someone to hang out with. 
And that's true. And they bond to that other little puppy all day long. And when you get home, they just, you feed them, but they just don't have that relationship with you. And, you know, they, from the brief research I did on this, it's, there is no scientific uh, proof that there is this syndrome of these two dogs together. It's always to talk about anecdotal evidence and stories from trainers and all that kind of stuff. But it's true. The stories are real. We had one time, Jess was with me, we went to a house where they had two adult black labs that they rescued from. They wanted to get one dog, but these were siblings. And they were like seven or eight years old. Yeah, they were old. And the rescue said, listen, you have to take two. We can't separate these dogs. And they thought they'd do the right thing, and they rescued both dogs. And um, they needed to do some training because the dogs were... A lot. Really, yeah, intense. And I said, okay, we took one dog outside. I said, I can only train one dog at a time. Get one dog on a leash. We'll go outside, and we'll do a little bit of work on the leash, get the dog to not drag you around. And in the five or ten minutes that we were outside, the dog that was inside broke out of the crate, I think, pooped all over everything. Yeah. It just had a complete Extreme anxiety. meltdown yeah. because of the separation of those two dogs. Yeah. And it was a very challenging thing. And so... I think she ended up returning the dogs. They did. Yeah. But the first thing they thought was, well, why do we have to... Sep- let's just not separate them. So, okay. So now what you're doing is just accommodating these two rescues. And then what happened eventually, and not too long after, the, one of the dogs bit one of her kids, which yeah. is why they Well, and it's just crippling. Them. I mean, so you, you, know, you want to kind of accommodate these dogs. Now they're seven or eight years old. What if one of them gets a terminal illness and dies? Like the other one isn't going to be able to function. So it is good to get the dog started on the right foot, the right paw, if you will, right away. And I do want to touch on that scientific situation that you talked about because, no, this is not a scientific term. And I was thinking this kind of seems like a pretty unethical scientific study, like to actually put littermates in a situation where you're not putting much control on them, you're letting them kind of develop however they want, and then they're just crippled anyway. So while this is not something that has been out there and published in papers, it's something that trainers and breeders and everything else see quite often. And it is not to say it can't be done. If you are a very experienced dog person and you have a really nice litter, it's very, Scott and I were talking about this. If we both got border collies out of the same litter, they wouldn't even necessarily know that they're siblings, right? We would raise, I would raise my puppy a certain way. He'd raise his puppy a certain way. They probably wouldn't even be crated in the same room. Like it just, it wouldn't even be a thought process. They'd get some playtime and everything, but we're very experienced dog owners. And it's not to say that every person who has ever raised littermates before, it's totally gone to shit and there's absolutely no hope. But for the average pet dog owner, it is a challenge that it's going to be a lot to overcome. And you're going to have to put in twice, maybe three times the work. If you want to go to puppy class, I would highly recommend you don't even go to the same puppy class. If there's two people in the household that can take the dogs to classes, one person goes on one night, maybe another person goes on another night or goes to another facility. The more separate things are outings, separate outings. One goes to Dunkin' in the car. One goes to Starbucks in the car. They're not always bonding to the same person. You're always, you know, switching up. Okay, you take, you know, Rover today and I'll take Dolly. Like you're switching up who they see, what they see, how often they see things. And when they do get back together, they're probably going to be each other's biggest distraction. So it's a great training aid for you having the distraction of, oh my God, it's my sister. Oh my gosh, it's my brother. But it is a lot more work. And like Scott said, one puppy is challenging enough. Like puppies are not easy. So be very thoughtful if you're either presented with the situation or you're thinking of diving into this situation that it may not be as glorious as it may seem in your head. Yeah. And um, from a training perspective, I mean, they're both still trainable and I'll say that it may seem obvious, maybe not, but we had a couple of Salukis a couple of years ago yeah. that 
they had been to a previous trainer or training and the trainer told them that these dogs had sibling syndrome and they were not trainable. And um, that never crossed my mind when I went to see the dogs. Yeah. I worked them one at a time and they were not an easy breed and, or easy dogs from a training perspective, but they're dogs, they're trainable. Uh, if they're not trying to kill me every time I'm holding the leash, I'm very happy to help the dog and help the owner and create some obedience. Yeah, so, and those dogs had a lot of success. I think we got them when they were about oh, yeah. a year old. But they were they raised were together in the, same, in the crate. same crate. Yeah, like there were a lot of red flags there that we had to switch up routines and, you know, get them on a structured feeding schedule and everything else. And they are thriving now and they're doing great. And yes, it definitely shouldn't be an excuse for my dogs aren't trainable. My dogs are overly anxious. My dogs have separation anxiety. My dogs show aggression towards other animals. Yeah, you know, if, if they're you find fearful. A trainer, if your trainer tells you that, find another trainer. Yeah. Find because, someone who will help you. Yeah. Uh, dogs, there's very few dogs that are not trainable. I don't think, and, and the other thing I would say, the caveat there is that, and that comes just from experience because early on I had a dog come in, you know, I was, had been training professionally for just a couple of years and this dog came in a rescue and it was like a feral animal. It was like spooky and was just not aggressive, but really like a coyote when it came to humans. It just was ready to bolt at any time. And I couldn't get a lot done with that dog in a short period of time. But that doesn't mean that the dog couldn't have been trained over six months or a year of just building that relationship and working with the dog. So some dogs do take a lot more time than others. And when you get into these siblings, quite often and they talk about fighting too. So the dogs can start fighting over food and different things. But quite often, one dog is always more attached to the other. Yeah. And the other's a little more put out that this other one is glomming onto it all the time, you know? And, um, or they're both just codependent and inseparable. And I'm glad you even brought up the term feral because, you know, people think, oh, this is so great. They can go out in the yard and play together. They can wear each other out in the house. They can sleep together at night. And, everything can be quiet. If they're raising one another, they're just becoming feral, even living in a domestic situation. So it's very important that you're getting them out to socialize them again, separately as much as possible, separate vet visits, separate car rides, separate training classes, separate training sessions. It is a lot of work, but you really need to put the grunt work in if you want this to happen. And I'm just going to say as a real side note, before we go to break, if for some reason you have adopted or bought a brother and a sister and their litter mates, please be careful about when that female goes into heat the first time. Hopefully if their rescues are not coming home intact, but be very, very thoughtful of having now two litter mates of opposite sexes and within the first year of their lives, all of a sudden procreating and now having a litter. That's a whole thing you don't want to deal with. Yeah, but just think how much money you with. could get if you had three-headed dogs. Oh my God, stop. All right, we're going to go on a break super <laughs> quick and when we get back, we're going to talk about more about sibling syndrome. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, one thing I want to impart on you guys, um, if you're listening and you're trainers and you have clients that get into this situation or you are listeners who own siblings, um, and have owned them since they were very young. 
don't look at them as like, oh, the pups, oh, this, like, oh, they like this. Think of them as individuals too, just because they have very similar genetics and, you know, they have the same environment and everything else in living. One could have more food drive than the other. One could have higher toy drive than the other. They may not enjoy the same activities. Maybe one is well suited for nose work. One loves off-leash hiking. Don't just lump them in because they look similar and they're genetically similar and they're raised similarly. Make sure you're treating them as individuals as much as possible, not just forcing the separation with what we're talking about, like logistically, but also like looking at them as individual beings because they are. Yeah. One thing I read, uh, they're talking about these guide dogs for the blind and they have puppy razors. So they have all these uh, dogs that are bred. These litters are bred at the best they can for becoming a guide dog. And we all know that there's going to be puppies wash out of that. In best case scenario, they don't all make it as guide dogs. But at one point, they um, tried to put a couple of puppies into one puppy raiser's house, and their failure rate went up dramatically because the puppies bonding to each other was undermining the way that these puppy raisers needed to raise these puppies. So I went to the guide dog uh, website to try and get info on that. And what they said was, you can have two puppies as a puppy raiser, but there has to be a six-month spread between those two puppies. Yeah. So... They're and not going to take two puppies from the same mates. litter, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I heard was that that crucial time to when all of this syndrome, if you want to call it that, uh, develops, or it's up until about two years old, eighteen months to two years old. So if you have a, you know, a do- obviously if you have a dog that's a year old, I wouldn't. Six months is even too young because you're not even out of the potty training stage yet with your six month old. A housebreaking really, you know, with a mature dog yet to throw another puppy in the mix is too much. Well, that's another thing. Yeah. And it can hinder your potty training greatly because, uh, you know, unless you're doing completely separate routines, you know, they're going to be, oh, this one has an accident. Okay. This is where we potty. It's a whole nother ball game. And this stuff starts to occur during your early socialization times, right? So ideally dogs are coming home between eight to 10 weeks and by 12 weeks to two years, like Scott's talking about, these are very crucial, important times and they're learning who to bond to. They're learning what to trust. They're developing different fears and anxieties and working through them and building strength and building character and really molding into the dogs that they're going to become. So be very conscientious during those very, very, very important times that you're playing your cards as well as possible for the dog's wellness and for your sanity, because literally we have seen it happen We've had at least a dozen clients in this situation, but at least a half dozen of them have had a really hard go, and it's been a very challenging journey, and they've needed a lot of intervention from professionals. Yeah, if you're a working dog person, if you're involved in dog sports, the likelihood of you having more than one dog under a year is probably pretty high. I mean, I know a lot of working dog people. They always got a puppy coming in. They have young dogs. They have retired dogs. They wind up, everybody's dog heavy, uh, especially breeders, but they already know uh, either intuitively or just you know from experience that you can't just let two puppies just coexist together all yeah. the time. They know that's going to be a problem. So even these breeders that have a lot of puppies and they're, some are going out the door, some aren't leaving for two months, they're already starting to separate them yeah. after they've been weaned off the mom. And they're trying to get them to be confident and just in, you know on their own, autonomous with the rest of them, yeah. you know? 
No, it's really true. And, you know, if you are in this situation and you know of someone who's in this situation, the earlier you're implementing these tactics, the better. I cannot stress that enough. Like, and if the dogs are two years old, it's not a lost cause. If the dogs are 10 years old, you know, maybe just let them do whatever they need to do and be in their happy, merry lives. But it doesn't mean just because they're in adulthood, you can't work through this. It's just going to be more challenging. So the sooner you intervene, the sooner you come up with a plan of action, the sooner you, uh, they can go see separate vets even. I don't care. Separate vets, separate groomers. The more that they're having their own individual lives and then just kind of by happen chance coming together and playing in the yard and, you know, kind of just like a puppy play date or something like some socialization that would happen in your neighborhood in somebody's yard, the better because they're going to be more well-rounded. And then if you've done your really due diligent work from, you know, let's say to the time they're 18 months to two years old, then you can let things be looser again. Now, now that bonding isn't going to like reoccur. Like you, you've set the boundaries. Everything's fine. The dogs can still be with one another. And you had mentioned the aggression before, which I want to bring up again. And I don't know the statistics on this based on, you know, the siblings could develop more aggression or maybe these dogs are just going to be aggressive as they are. I don't know how to tweed that apart. But there have been a lot of anecdotal like data here where the dogs do have maybe more resource guarding is one thing, but then they're also like, you know, having actual physical altercations just because of, I don't know, hormones or whatever it may be. And I'm sure same sexes may be experiencing this more than, you know, a female and a male. Um, That's just going to be more common. Females and females are going to have a harder time together. Males and males are going to have a harder time together. But that's another thing to consider now is mitigating this aggression, not letting that boil up, having great control over the dogs. So if they're running loose in the yard and then things are starting to get into a heightened arousal state or the doorbell rings or something else, you can quickly, quickly calm things down and be like, hey, you get over here, get in your crate and you're intervening so that doesn't become a thing. Because I will tell you right now, siblings are not, once you have a situation in your home where the dogs are going for each other, that can be a lifelong thing. Like that's the type of thing where you may not be able to leave the room because these dogs just have it out for each other and they're just ready to go. So the less of the occurrence of that, the better for you and the life of the dog. Yeah, and another way that it can pop up is, like, as an example, if you have one dog, a young dog, that gets real bonded to one person in the house. So they're on the couch, whether it's the wife or whoever, the, the husband, and he's got this dog in his lap all the time. And then when one of the kids comes over, the dog starts growling, you know, because the dog is now being, who knows what's going through the dog's head, but I'm assuming that they're saying, hey, stay away from my person. This, this is our private time where we yeah. bond. Well, if it's two puppies that are always always having that time together, now you go over to pet both of them. They don't want you there. Yeah. They have their space. They don't want you involved, separating them, getting between them, giving one more attention to the other. And that can turn into a little thing. And the other thing, another way that aggression can pop up is they get real bonded to each other. Now they go into a daycare situation. Another dog wants to play with one of them. You're not and the other one is like, hey, get away from my brother. Yeah. And then they start getting protective and that all goes south. Yeah, that's actually another great example that you brought up. And this sounds like a pain in the ass, but if you guys want to go on this journey, this is how we'd recommend going on the journey. Try out two daycares. Like one, it gives you a great separate, idea. Separate days. <laughs> yeah, or separate days. Yeah, but it gives you a great idea of like what's out there within your area as far as vets and groomers and daycares and dog walkers and everything else. But literally test things out. See which one does better where. And yeah, separate days would also be okay depending on how your daycare works. But you really want to get on top of these things and not all dog professionals, daycare employees, vet techs, everything else are super aware that this is such a big issue. And a lot of times it just seems cute, right? Like, oh my gosh, 
Ash, he wants to be with his brother and they just want to cuddle and everything else. But that's where this fear and that's where this anxiety starts to bubble up because they're not actually bonding to the real world and they're not actually dealing with the external world. They're just bonding to one another. And that's not what life is like for dogs that are domesticated in this country. So it's important to see the early warning signs and have a plan right from the get-go. And if you're getting a puppy at all and your plan doesn't include a crate, that, that is something that we would highly recommend, whether it's one puppy or two puppies. Crating is crucial for puppies and potty training and well-being and everything else. So be very conscientious of accepting the crate situation and doing your research there. Crating is very important for puppies as you raise them. Yeah. And I think that, it, you know, inevitably one will be a little bit more unstable than the other. That's just the nature. You have two puppies. One's always going to be stronger than the other. And... Um, the strength from the stronger one is not going to make the weaker yeah. one stronger. Yeah. What's going to happen is the instability of the weaker one is going to tweak the other one who thinks everything's normal, but then the other one's freaking out. So they're thinking something must be wrong. Yeah, or the strong yeah. one's going to be stepping up more in situations where you don't want it to. And that goes back to looking at them as individuals, right? You have the puppy that's a little bit more timid, a little bit more fearful, everything else. Let that puppy drag sometimes. Let that puppy feel confident in the world, everything else. The strong one, let's reel that one back in more. Let's give that one rules that the other one maybe doesn't have. You're going to stay on a bed. You're going to stay in a crate. You're going to do this differently than your sibling because they need to have balance. And we see this even within our own household, just because we have high drive dogs and very intelligent dogs, they need different push and pull at different times. Not everyone has the same rules, but to create the harmony and to keep the well-being for our household and for our animals, we're allowing different things and pushing for different strengths and, you know, squashing different weaknesses depending on the dog. So the same thing totally goes for litter mates. Super, 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 super important. Yeah. And uh, it seems obvious, but it's just a lot of people wind up with two dogs either from a from a breeder or two dogs from a rescue. And um, it seems convenient and easier in the beginning, and quite often the dogs are quieter together, and that's why they yeah. wind up being together. You know, well, I'm I should get them to out. I wanted to take one out, but the other one now pooped all over everywhere, so I'll take them out together. Yeah. Or I wanted to do this, but now they're real. I can't sleep. Both of them are screaming all night. When they're together, they're quiet. Yeah. So you let that happen because it's just easier. You know? yeah. And don't just get them home and let them eat out of the same bowl and sleep in the same crate and live how they lived when they were being raised, wherever they were being raised, and as they were being nursed by the mother. That is setting yourself up for a recipe for disaster. And even if you do have two separate crates, you guys, put a divider in between the two. Grab a little Coroplast or something from Home Depot. Start to get them existing as individual entities as soon as possible. Super, 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 super important. Did we cover everything? Yeah, I think so. It's just something that... Get, you know, just because yet again, we saw another household with two puppies that came in together, just reminded me of, of not a great idea. That's not getting better idea. though. We're impressed yeah. by that situation. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, well it's overall. not impossible. We're not saying it's yeah. impossible. It's but, just harder. You know, I don't like puppies to begin with. So the thought <laughs> of two of them, it's like, you know, and then lastly, I was just thinking about, you think about two, tw if you ever went to school with twins or triplets, how they have a bond with each other, whether they're identical or not. They from the same. They were born the same time. They were raised the same way, and they have a bond that that people that are not twins will never understand. There's almost a, a, telepathic. a telepathic thing. You know, what, one of them dies, the other one all of a sudden feels uncomfortable. What happened? And then they find out. Oh, this is what happened. And that's with two people that live separate lives. They're together, but when they go to class and they go to elementary school, and they they're not always in the same classroom. They're not always together all the time, but quite often a lot of them wind up 
living close together and even becoming roommates as adults and they get really bonded to each other. And it's, it's a similar situation. The only difference is we can intellectually understand what's going on even if we realize this emotional bond with my sibling is unique, it's special, it's a little bit unhealthy. I need to get my own space here a little bit. Dogs, you know? dogs don't reason on that uh, yeah. level, so we have to help them through it. Thank you guys so much for joining us this Wednesday. If you do have littermates or you know someone who has littermates, please share this episode with them. If you would like to work with us in person, our service area goes from Portland, Maine, to Manchester, New Hampshire, to Boston, Massachusetts. Email us at studio at com. And in the meantime, keep, keep it quirky. Bye, guys. Ooh, doubled it up yourself. Good job. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.